Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Called with Zivi and Tracy. And you should definitely listen to this podcast in which I ask Tracy three anonymously sourced questions each episode, which you can also enter at www.sextalkwithzivyandtracy.com and it's sextalk, S-E-X-T-O-K, to reflect our TikTok viral success. I hope you enjoy. Enter your questions on our website, listen up, send it to friends, and please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy. Hi, Tracy. How's it going today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. I know we were chatting about this before, but listeners might notice that we have some ads every now and again popping up on our podcast. And I'm sorry I took you by surprise, Tracy. I forgot to tell you. (laughs) She did, because honestly, I, I always listen back and suddenly I'm listening to an ad about things being blocked down the toilet. And I was like, hang on a moment. <laughs> so sorry. That's not us talking. It I'm was sorry. quite amusing. Yeah. Anyway, like, it's yeah. good that we're getting ads, right? It is good. It is. It's just the beginning of great ads to come. And we're thrilled to have people, you know, paying for spots <laughs> yes, on our show. I mean, that's great news. So keep it up. Whatever you want to flush down the toilet, just yeah. send it our way. <laughs> yeah. I certainly learned something, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you listening who yeah. aren't used to our ads, I guess... Now try to get used to them, and I hope you like them. <laughs> We're always open to feedback. They're very short. They're very short. They're yeah. short, aren't they? So they don't really interfere with anything, but there you go. But thank you. So all things to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> okay, three questions today. First question, I am single, but please don't tell me to go online to meet someone because I have absolutely no luck that way. Where should I go in person to meet men? Where are they all hiding? Where are all the single men, Zippy? Gosh, do you remember when you were single just thinking, where are they all? Yes. I mean, I, re- I remember, did you, I don't know if you do this, but I would. we would go, I was living in Sydney the last time I was single. Actually, no, I've been single in London, but I remember this time more vividly and we'd sort of move to one place and we'd scan the room and then we'd go, they're not here, no, no one's here. Then we'd go on to the next room. We were convinced that the next venue was going to turn up all of these single men. And of course, that was all based on scanning the room to see who was physically attractive to us and then we'd go there was no talking to anyone to see what the personality was like whether they were funny or interesting none of that none of that but that's just what you do when you're younger isn't it but I think the best place to meet people are places where people hang around long enough for you to get to know them better. So you can move past that facade and, you know, you can get to the point where the guy who was your second choice, you know, suddenly you discover when you've been chatting to him and the other guy's not paying you any attention that, in fact, he's funny and interesting and suddenly you quite like him. So those sort of places. And this is why bars and pubs and festivals, I always think, are a really good place because you're there. You don't tend to, I suppose a bar you might pop 
pop in for one drink. But certainly a festival, you hang around and people tend to hang around the same spot and you can have a bit of eye contact, say hi, and then there's plenty of stuff to sort of start up a conversation with. So I'd strongly recommend that. But it's it's also not quite where you go, but what you do when you get there. You can't just... Also, wait, just say a little something. Yeah. I mean, in COVID times, we it's really hard to go to crowded bars and pubs and festivals when everything is canceled. So I feel like even True. in these particular times, like then what? But anyway, so we'll have the normal times and the now times. I know. Gosh, you stymied me there because, I mean, then you have to almost go online, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you, and in the meantime, you have to go online. But you can, I don't know about over in the States, but certainly here, I mean, gosh, it's, it's really open here. All of these things are happening in London. Oh, okay. They really are. And otherwise, you can still go to small things like, and also just try, and, and what I, no, go back to my previous point, it's not so much where you go, it's what you do when you're there. If you go and you just stand there and expect everyone to come to you and you're not having much luck, well, it's because of what you're doing. So you have to get, if you really want to meet people, you have to be the one that talks to people, that starts the conversation, that does all that stuff, because people are shy, basically. Most people are shy. Even the most arrogant person is often shy, and it takes guts to talk to talk to a stranger, but it doesn't take guts if you do it all the time. So talk to everybody, practice, say, you know, walk past the person in the park and say, wow, your dog's interesting. What breed is that? Talk. I mean, I always make conversation with so many people. And if somebody looks at you as if to say, you know, why are you talking to me, you loser? Just smile broadly and move away. And honestly, Zibby, I have a smiling sickness is what I call it. Because I cannot walk past someone in the street without smiling at them. That's so nice. Why is that a sickness? That's like a it's gift. It's sickness because no, no one nice. smiles back. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's their problem. I know, but I, I now smile at the dogs instead of the people because I'm always in the dogs. But about one in six people smile back. And I remember coming home to Mars, my husband, and just saying, do you know what? I'm not smiling at anyone anymore because no bugger smiles back at me. So I didn't. And do you know what happened? I felt miserable. Mm-hmm. I felt absolutely miserable because I was just as miserable as everybody else. And when you smile, the act of smiling triggers your brain and says that this person is happy because they're curling their their lips upward, releases serotonin, and you feel better about yourself. So just smile at everybody, talk to everybody. If anything else, nothing else, you'll make yourself feel better. No, there is all this research about how valuable that is. And there is this book that just came out by an author named Jen Nash called The Power of Tiny mm-hmm. Connections. And that is her whole theory. Like oh, a hello, a hello on the street is so useful and can change everything. So you, you, your theory is, your theory holds. Keep oh, smiling, good. Tracy, keep smiling. <laughs> I will, but honestly, when somebody does smile back or says hello, I think I'd be all uplifted and then walk along with a bit more of a spring in my step. But anyway, but it's, it's all about the talking to people as well. Don't practice chat-up lines. They will get you nowhere. But practice the art of making conversations with strangers. And that will mean wherever you go, you're going to have a higher chance of meeting somebody. And on that point, get out of the habit of thinking that you're only going to meet someone on a Friday and Saturday night. Because Mm -hmm. I know so many single people who are like that. Don't you? They get all dressed up and that's when I'm going to meet someone. I've got my heels on and my little black dress. And no, you might meet somebody walking, you know, standing next to you in the sandwich queue. They're, men are everywhere. People are everywhere. They're on the tube. They're, you know, they're walking their dog. They're standing next to you in the bookshop. They're buying a sandwich. You know, get used to the habit of look around all the time. Keep your eyes open. And, I mean, this is an old thing that probably that you got told in the 19th century or something, but say yes to all invitations that mean you're going to meet new people. And 
so many people don't do that. They'll go, yeah, okay, right, let's think about this. Mm. <laughs> Will there be people my age there? Mm, I don't know. I don't know whether this friend is that attractive. Will her friends be more attractive? Do you know how one of my friends met someone? She went with a friend to a care home to visit her grandmother. And she ended up going out with the guy who was the manager and they're now married. So that's how she met him. Tracy, I wonder if there's a show... Not that we need, not that we have time to do another show, but wouldn't it be a great show? Like one of the first things I like to talk to people about when I'm getting to know them is how they met their spouse. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a good show? Just like each time another like meetup or would that be boring? I I feel like that would be really fascinating. I feel like that would be a really good show, especially if you've got celebs and stuff along. Yeah. Do you know the trouble? Well, I don't know. How did you meet? Well, I know how you met Kyle. He was a tennis coach for your kids. Mine was really boring. Mine was in a bar. No, not in a bar, in a pub on a river. And I made the approach. I'm trying to think of everybody else. Of all the people I've ever dated, I've only met one person like out on a weekend night. Yeah. Yeah. Miles is about the only person that I've met out on a weekend night. Yeah. I have to say. It's hard. Everybody else has been through friends, through, you know, and that's the other thing. Don't be scared to ask your friends to set you up. Don't be, people love doing that. They absolutely love doing that. The other thing I would say is to who you go out with is really important as well. And I've, I used to know this is when I was single. If you go out with a friend who's got a problem, you're not going to meet anyone because your focus is on that person. You know, if you haven't seen someone for a while, your focus is on that person. This is why you need single friends because you need single friends that you see all the time so you're not focused on each other and you can look outwards, not inwards. And also single friends are such good value that sometimes they just make you forget about looking for love and you just have a great time. And of course, that's when you obviously meet people. The final thing on this I really want to say, and I'm sure you've got things to add, Zivi, is don't punch above your weight. Because when I did that dating show for the BBC, it was, and with all my friends who have problems meeting people, it's often about people thinking that they're more attractive than they are and thinking they're going to get a 10. So if you're a five, and attractiveness isn't just about looks, by the way, it's social standing, it's, you know, how funny you are, how intelligent you were, your background, everything, right? Your social skills. So say you're a five on the attractiveness scale, you should be aiming for a five or a six, right? You know, they don't, these people sometimes aim for a, they want a 10. I'm not going out with anyone who's not this, this, and this. And it's like, well, you can't really say to people, you're not going to pull that. (laughs) You are not attractive enough to get a 10. Who is? You know, I mean, but it really, really matters. And they've just done a thing, a big study about how everybody has an attractive attraction spectrum. So one is not attracted at all to you. 10 is madly attracted to this person. And they found that people who are happiest are people who go mid-attractive. Because if you go for the guy or the girl that you're like, oh my God, they are so good looking, (gasps) so exciting. It's exhausting. You can't, you know, sustain it. You feel worried that they're going to run off with somebody else the whole time. And intense connections fizzle out fast because they are based on lust and looks and all that sort of thing, things that don't matter. If you go for somebody you're not attracted to, well, you know, you constantly think you can do better and you couldn't care less. But if you go for somebody who's about mid, mid-range, you think they're really attractive, but you feel in control and you're just as attractive, etc. that's when you're happiest. So aim mid-range. And have a realistic view of yourself too. That might be the hard part for some people, you know. Yes. It's funny how lots of people have an 
unrealistic view of themselves in that they are down on themselves and mm-hmm. don't realise that they're the eight. And and other people think they're the ten when they're really a two and they're not very nice. As I well. think there are, I think there are like rating sites online. Not that I would advocate this oh, at all those because awful my, I know things. that my kids have found it and I was absolutely horrified. Yeah, but that's looks. That's on looks. That's true. I don't mean looks. And I don't think that's how you establish whether you're a nine or a 10 or whatever. It's everything. How attractive you are personality-wise. How many friends have you got? Do people really like you? Are you great at chatting? Are you great at making people laugh? You do, All those factors create what attractiveness score you have, don't you think? I hate yeah. those sites. I've heard of those sites. I think yeah. they're disgusting. They are disgusting. And yes, I love that personality plays a role in attractiveness. Mm. Okay, question two. My husband is obsessed with the size of his penis. He thinks it's too small, and despite years of reassurance, he's still paranoid. He measured it, and it's 4.5 inches slash 11.5 centimeters when erect. (laughs) Every time we have intercourse, he says, I know that won't have been very satisfying for you. I'm exhausted by it all. How can I reassure him the problem isn't his size? It's him going on and on about it. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Oh, it so is him going on and on about it, isn't it? Yes. Do you know, it's always men who worry about penis size, never women. It never even gets into the top five things of what women want from men. Not even the top five. So if women aren't obsessed with it, why are men so obsessed with their penis size? And I think that it's because they grow up with a kind of skewed judgment of what average is. And there are several reasons why this is. Number one, porn. Men in porn tend to be much bigger than the average man. You know, do you think that men would figure this out, but they don't seem to. The second one is urinals. If you're looking down on something, it looks bigger. So they're looking at porn, they're in the urinals saying, oh my God, everybody else has got a bigger penis than me. Then the third place that most straight men would see a penis is in the gym lock, you know, the changing room, right? The sports changing room. Now, This is where the grower and shower thing comes in. We've talked about growers and showers before. (laughs) Do you remember? Kind of. (laughs) Right. A grower is somebody whose flaccid penis, not erect penis, grows a lot when it's erect. So it looks quite small when it's not erect, and then it grows like Jack and the Beanstalk (laughs) when it's big, right? 
someone who's a shower has got a very big flaccid penis, but then it doesn't grow very much when it's erect. But no one knows that. So the guy who's going to be walking around in the gym changing room, letting it all hang out, swinging around, is not going to be the grower. It's going to be the shower. It's going to be the guy with the natural look, what looks like a naturally big penis, but in fact, doesn't change that much. I feel like we have not talked about this. I don't remember this really? at all. Are you sure we've talked about this? I think I that's really we had. had. Okay, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I have no memory. But well, anyway, that's um, really interesting and funny. Yeah, <laughs> it is interesting because because the people who are going to flout, flout it around, and I'm, I'm thinking of movies where men have done penis shots in movies, and all the men have naturally big penises. You won't get an actor with a naturally, you know, an undersized penis under what everybody thinks is normal saying, yeah, I'll do that. I'll be the one to put my penis out there. But all of this is quite irrelevant, and I'll tell you why. Is because no one knows what the average size penis is. It's just a guess. This whole thing about that the average size penis is five inches long is just a guess because there has been no study to definitively prove what the penis size is of a man, and there never will be. Because how you've got to, A, accurately measure it, get a trained clinician to accurately measure the penis, right? Who, what men are going to willingly come forward to get their penises measured? It's not going to be the people who are worried their penis is too small. So it's already skewed already. Most, all of these, all of these studies are based on self-measurement, right? Which is notoriously unreliable and predictably generous. The, the, me- the starting points for measuring a man's penis, and honestly, some of them, I swear, would start at their belly button and measure down. I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. It's so unreliable. The other way they get measurements is from college students and universities. You know, they put up signs and saying, right, we're doing a research thing. Are you willing to come in and get your penis measured? That's about as good as you're going to get. Now, the people who are going to go, you know what, I'm going to go along to that. They're going to be, it's going to be the guy who was swinging around in the in the changing room. It's not going to be the student who's slightly worried about his penis size. So you are never, there has never been a study by somebody trained to accurately measure Who's, who's gone across a cross-section of men which represents all cultures, all ages, and all stages. It has never been done, and it's highly unlikely to be done. And do you know what the last big study of measuring penises was? I, I was don't. In, it was in Japan. <laughs> Why don't you know that? Just off the top of the This was in Japan. And do you know what they measured? Dead men. They measured <laughs> dead men's flaccid penis. Now, you don't need to be Einstein to figure. Oh, my gosh, I would not want that job. But also, Who's doing Jesus, that? a penis with blood in it oh, is going yeah. to be bigger than a penis without blood in it. And there's not too much blood flowing around when you're dead. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. So, I've got a bit of a rant there. But no, that's the man hilarious. with the small penis, though, he, the problem is him. So, A, there is no such thing as an average penis size. So, but I think you're married to this guy now. It's not like you've just started going out. You've been indulging him for possibly years and years. I think you need to sit the guy down and go, right, I am absolutely sick of this. We have a problem. The problem is that you have been going on about the size of your penis year after year after year. And no matter how much reassurance I give you, it is not going away. So, A, how do you know what the average size penis is, and mention the fact that there has been no definitive study. B, 
B, if you want to buy into the average size penis is 5.1 inches, you're 4.5 inches. You're not that far off. So what is the issue here? And just say, look, I don't have a problem with your penis size. You clearly have the problem, but I am now stopping reassuring you because it's not doing me any favour. So this subject is now off limits. The way I have my orgasms is through your fingers, your, you know, your tongue, a vibrator, because very rarely is it through intercourse anyway. So we really need to stop this now and you need to accept this because otherwise you're going to ruin our sex life. And I think you really have to read in the riot app because it, it's, it's like with anything. It's like people with weight and jealousy. You know, if the constant reassurance does nothing, you really do need to say to somebody, you know what, I've given you the reassurance. It's not working. Face a few facts here. I like it. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, because it's essentially not being confident about something is unattractive in mm. and of itself. So I think it's the lack of confidence and all of that. Too. Of course it is. And it's not even that small. I mean, no, it doesn't, how it do doesn't we know matter. though? How do we know? Yeah, exactly right. It really doesn't matter. And it's not Perfectly like, he, it's. it also sounds like he's not really thinking about her that much. Like, she might be satisfied or I don't know, whatever. Anyway. Okay. Question three. I met my girlfriend online during lockdown. So most of the sex we had together at the start was via Zoom. Okay. Even though it wasn't in person, it was awesome. She'd masturbate in front of me, talk dirty. Nothing seemed off limits. I couldn't wait to have sex in person. But when we finally did, it was weird. She's really inhibited and uptight and anxious. It hasn't gotten better with time. What's going on? Do you know, we get lots of lockdown stuff, don't we? I mean, it certainly had an impact on, on sex dramatically. I think what's happened with this, we've got several theories with this, but I think the main one is that video sex is scheduled sex, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. you make a time, you know, she's prepared for it, okay? You know that you're probably going to have sex, so she's thinking about, you know, what making sure you can address the lighting, you can adjust the filter, she can get her makeup done, you know, look great, she can adjust the angle, she could practice in front of the, you know, you can do a practice zoom to see what you look like. You are totally in control when there's nobody else in the room with you, right? So, which makes some people feel more confident because they're in control. Sex in person isn't like that. You're not in control the minute somebody else is in the room. You know, they might want sex when you don't want sex, when you've got your big pants on and you're not looking great. And Also, some people hate the idea of planned sex and love spontaneous sex. A lot of people actually like planned sex. They like to know what's expected of them in that sex session. They kind of want to know what's going to happen. They're called, when we talk about sex personalities, these people are called controllers and they like planned sex. And she, to me, maybe she's a big controller and that just really played to her strength in that she could control it. She knew what was expected of her and that's what happened. And that's why it wasn't so good. But also I'm amazed that it was any good at all, quite frankly, because it's the expectations and pressure would have been so high. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've had this fantastic sex on screen, then you're going to have sex in real life and so many things could have gone wrong because smell, how someone smells, how you move together, touch and, you know, in person is so different to on video and, you know, it, it must have been such pressure on both of you. I'm surprised that you've even got this far, quite frankly, because it's so much effort. Now, say you've got, she's a planner, say she's a controller, say that's true. Big pressure. First session, not surprisingly, didn't go tremendously well. Maybe she was more nervous than you. Maybe she's a lot less confident than you are. I think the reason why it's not 
content not getting any better is that she's sensing all this. She's sensing mm. your disappointment. And see, you can fake things on video. If you're not that excited, doesn't matter. She can't see, you know, feeling an erection is a lot different than looking at an erection. You can tell if someone's excited by the way they're breathing. You can look into their face and see it. So she will be, if you're not pretty happy enough with the sex, which you're not, and you haven't actually talked about it, she'll be feeling this disappointment and it's probably feeding her insecurity and feeding her anxiety, which is making her even more uninhibited and tense and awkward. So what's the solution? The solution to everything, you've got to deal with the elephant in the room. You have to talk to her about it. But you can't say, hey, weird, isn't it? That Our Zoom sex was great, but our in-person sex is so rubbish. But you can say, you know, wasn't our Zoom sex fantastic? The thing I liked best about it was X. What did you like about it? And then she might say, oh, well, you know, I liked it because I could, you know, but I don't know what she's going to say, but but that will encourage her to talk about what appealed to her about that as opposed to what appealed to her about this. And if you ask a positive question, like what did you like about it, not what don't you like about the sex we're having now, she'll answer you. It's when you ask people for negatives that they're not going to answer you. And I think that's the key to it. You have to work out what was it about that that really suited her? What is, yeah, I think what's going on now is just it's 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 that tumbleweed where it's not that great the first time. You didn't talk about it and address it. So it's just everyone's getting more and more anxious. And it's just unless you talk about it, it's just going to not get better at all. So that's the other thing I would say is feed her sexual self-esteem. Give her lots of compliments. Tell her you look great when you did that. Or, you know, say to her, pretend you're being... Pretend you're on camera, you know, what would you do if I couldn't, if you couldn't touch me or I couldn't touch you? You know, how would you make me orgasm? And go back into, feed into her strengths and see where that takes you. Maybe they should just go into different rooms, you know? <laughs> well, they could. <laughs> they could just zoom could. from like different sides of the room and then see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you, I reckon it's because it's, it's, she's in control of it all. And and who oh maybe it's the intimacy maybe maybe she's got intimacy issues emotional intimacy issues and you know it's much easier to be intimate when you've got a screen between you lots yeah. of people do have that could be that I bet the creators of Zoom I mean did they even know what was going to happen on these oh, Zooms? I know. oh my gosh I know it would be a fun <laughs> well anyway <laughs> I'm thinking of like a documentary where like all everybody's Zooms were suddenly public you know Can you oh imagine? my god no you don't right? want that. yeah anyway yeah okay. that's another. <laughs> Another movie idea for somebody? Yeah, movie okay. idea, yeah. Next sex God. challenge of the week. Okay, sex challenge of the week is throw in a quickie every third time you have sex because we tend to have sex at the same time every single time. And I think if you're only having 15-minute sex sessions or whatever you're having, you know, it's really good for you to go, right, we've only got three minutes, four minutes, right? Forces you to have sex somewhere else forces you to break that routine, which that all dreaded, you know, we only do things a certain amount of time. And it also means that you tend to move away from the, the beginning, middle, end of sex. So we've got to have foreplay, then we've got to have this, and then intercourse is the main event. So you might have an, you know, an oral sex only quickie session. You might have a, just an intercourse, in which case you would obviously use lube. So yeah, mix it up a bit. Mix up the timing of your sex sessions. Quickies are great, not all the time, but they are a really good way to sort of get back the, the sort of lustiness of sex, a quickie. Okay, excellent. Thanks, Tracy. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs>
hilarious. As that usual. was really great. That was really what funny. Knows what ad they're going to put with this? I know. Yes. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody for advertising and for listening yes. to our ads and helping us keep supporting our show here. Don't forget to submit questions to sextalkpod, S-E-X-T-O-K-P-O-D dot com. And we will try to have them on the show. Yes. Thanks absolutely. for listening. Okay. See you next week. Okay. Bye, Tracy. Thanks for listening to Sex Talk with Zivi and Tracy. If you want more from Tracy, she has a column on Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. So check that out too. Thanks again. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.